At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw for the Mullen Haw Show on 6-7 to score. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune up at Hallis Hall talking to you. The day after, the Bears' second straight home victory, 16-13 to over the Carolina Panthers at Soldier Field. Thursday night football, the Bears now also 2-0 on Thursday night football. Dan, the day after, what do you think the of the victory? What was the reaction like at Hallis Hall? Is Matt Eberflus still cracking jokes? You sound like a guy that sat next to me in the press box at Soldier Field on Thursday night. I got you uh, into that vintage Dan Weeder positivity. Uh, You're pointing out that the Bears have won two straight at Soldier Field after going 392 days between home victories. You're pointing out that they are undefeated on Thursday night football this season. You're pointing out that they are three and three in their last six games and, and, and making improvements. What's gotten into you, David Hall? Next thing you know, I'll be going on a rant about the quarterback situation. Who knows? I mean, that will be next for me i don't know that was fun on thursday night i think everybody had a good time including including the head coach it's <laughs> it's odd that uh, matt eberflus kind of just lets his guard down a little bit post game and so much is made out of it and it was funny because he kind of created situation studs to get ready because at halftime matt eberflus walking back onto the field or is a halftime interview and he said to the halftime uh, sideline reporter that he had something up his sleeve. And then post game, of course, since we didn't really see anything that would qualify as up the Bears' sleeve or up Eberflus' sleeve in the second half, this is what it sounded like in the post game exchange in the interview room at, at Soldier Field. Did we see what was up your sleeve? Did you use it? Or I don't know. What's up yours? <laughs> 
What's up yours, Dan? Did we see what was up your sleeve? Did you use it? or I don't know. What's up yours? What was uh, notable to me about that, David, is it was uh, back and forth between Matt and Jason Leeser, and Matt seemed as proud of that comeback quip as he has of any defensive performance that his team has delivered in the last 27 games. Uh, he seemed genuinely giddy by the victory and had an opportunity to cut loose, and he cut loose like only Matt Eberflus can. And then later in the uh, session, it was asked again. I think Herb Howard came in a little bit later and um, asked me had the same sort of rea- reaction. So that must have been his pat response. <laughs> but but the, it looked like there is a question on what 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 truly was up the sleeve that was going to come out. The Bears obviously never got to it. Uh, and and you know I, I joked in the press box on on Thursday night that had they broken out some kind of trick play that went, you know, catastrophically bad, you know, some reverse pass that was fumbled and the Panthers took over and went in for a score. We would have been like, well, what in the heck was he doing telling the whole world that he had something up his sleeve that was about to come out? A guy who was so careful to protect competitive advantages, walked out of the locker room at halftime, almost, uh, you know, genuinely euphoric about what they were about to pull out of their sleeve. And so I'm, I'm eager to see where that magic show leads us. It's got to go somewhere in the next couple of weeks, doesn't it? I don't know because this is a team last night. He's talking about having something up his sleeve. Their longest pass play was 16 yards. First play of the game. This is not a team that has much up its sleeve. I'm just glad that for their sake, they were able to pull it off and we were able to change the subject because <laughs> they won that game because they couldn't afford to lose it. And, and I think that, it was one of those games, maybe the last one they're going to be favored. Who knows, depending on what the Cardinals state is when, when they play them. But it was just it was just one of those really difficult games to watch in terms of football aesthetics. But the Bears did what they needed to do and got the job done. Well, so th- this is like either the benefit or the drawback of going into a postgame locker room after a night like that. Because you get a chance to see things through the players' eyes, through the team's eyes. And you get a little bit of a different perspective. I think we can all sit here today and agree that any sort of big picture interpretation of what that was on Thursday night is that it was nothing. You know, the, the, the Bears basically outlasted the worst team in the NFL that was without its best player, its number two receiver, and one of its starting cornerbacks. And, and they didn't do so in convincing fashion. And every time that you thought they had an opportunity to kind of uh, sink their claws in that game and run away with it, they didn't. And I was waiting for the finishing touch. And the finishing touch, essentially, David, was a Panthers drive at the end of that game where it took them 14 plays and five and a half minutes just to position themselves for a 59-yard field goal attempt. And you're like, okay, like I guess that's that's the knockout punch that the Bears delivered there was just enduring whatever the heck that was that Frank Reich and his staff were putting together, not not really uh, using the clock wisely, not moving the ball very well. It was just it was like it was really hard to watch because you wanted some sort of punctuation on the on the win, and then it just fizzled to an end, and you're like, okay, that's it. It's over. The Bears did a couple things well that led to the victory. I don't know how sustainable they are, but you know we are at the, the midway or just past the midway point of the season. We talk all the times about identity. We were talking on the Mulling Haw show about what the Bears have accomplished at this point of the year. They play pretty good defense. They, when healthy, have been a very, um, uh, I think, improved defensive unit. On Thursday night, They had three sacks, and the pass pressure was consistent. Montez Sweat had eight pressures. Last time a defense end was that active was Robert Quinn. 
back in 2020. The secondary played together, all five of the guys, the nickelback included with Kyler Gordon, Tyreek Stevenson, and Jalen Johnson, and the two safeties. They played very well on a string, and they were aggressive, and they were active. And then the linebacking core, minus Tremaine Edmonds, Jack Sanborn can play. There's no doubt about it now, halfway into his second year. He's an NFL linebacker. Maybe he's a four-phase special teamer, but he can play. Now he's just got to work on those interceptions. But the bottom line is the Bears' identity is not necessarily what they maybe thought it would be going into the season. It's old school. It's a defensive-minded football team. They want to run the football well. They want to protect it, and they want to be more efficient than explosive because they have to be. Yeah. But I don't think beyond that is very exciting. Well, so look, I got off track a minute ago, and I never finished the thought that I was originally trying to make. And and so part of my post game, uh, you know, to do list was making my way around that locker room, and and I did feel kind of refreshed coming out of there because you spend time at Cairo Santos's locker, and you you talk to a guy who was perfect on a night where he kind of needed to be perfect at Soldier Field. You, you talk about a guy who hits from 49 yards and then has that immediately wiped off the board by a penalty, and they go back to 54, and he feels fully confident and says that he used his first kick as, as kind of a teaching tool to, to play the wind properly because he didn't feel like the wind was affecting the ball as much as he thought it would, and he drills one from 54. And so this is a guy that continues to be a model professional. You walk over to the other side of the locker room and you talk to Deontay Foreman, who has taken full advantage of his opportunity with Khalil Herbert on injured reserve to uh, be a engine for the Bears offense. And he scores the only offensive touchdown of the game last night on a night where he gets, uh, you know, north of 90 yards from scrimmage on a night where the Bears needed some production offensively to push them forward. And you say that's a model professional. You talk to Eddie Jackson on the defensive side of the ball, and he's expressing excitement about what they've been doing here in recent weeks. They've obviously made great improvements, kept the Panthers out of the end zone the entire night. Their only touchdown, obviously, was that 79-yard punt return from Amir Smith-Marset. And you just mentioned it. You have a defense that is playing a high-quality level of football that is going to give you a chance to win games, which we couldn't say at all in the final two and a half months of last season or even the first month of this season. And so you say, okay, that's moving the right direction. And so I think it was like for me, it was like to see a bunch of model professionals in that locker room taking pride, even though it was an ugly win in some of the things that they did to get that win. I think that there is a level of meaning to that. Now, again, like we're not going to draw grand outlandish uh, long-term projections on what last night was or wasn't. Um, but but that, that was a cool a little perspective for me to get after three hours next to you and Brad in the, the press box. And, and really, uh, as our good friend Dion Miller said, it was, it was a, a, a game worthy of a preseason date, right? Like it was one of those scratch your eyes out and hope that one team gets to 20 for some reason and then neither of them do. And you walk out of there going, what in the hell was that? Well, there were low expectations for it. I think everybody kind of knew what we were getting into. Certainly Amazon did. They invited Jason Kelsey, the Eagle Center, to interview for uh, a long period of time and because they probably anticipated it being a long drawn out game and it, it time to did seem to drag but but you're right you know you can't overlook it is the nfl and and sometimes in, in all of our cynicism and disappointment over what's not happening with the bears in chicago you you do tend to maybe forget temporarily these are professionals and they're doing their jobs at a high level they take a lot of pride in the work they do and guys like foreman and a lot of players that fit that category. Kyler Gordon would be on that list for last Kyler night's Gordon, performance. That, he was, that was probably his best game of the year, right? Yeah, I mean, he's just active and, you, and you're feeling his presence. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Which I think is notable. I also thought it was really notable late in that game when uh, our producer Adam Stanzinski called you up and said that his biggest takeaway of the night was that Tyson Bajan, an undrafted rookie out of Division Two, was outplaying the number one pick in the draft, Bryce Young from uh, Mighty Alabama. So I thought that was a neat concession that Stutz made, uh, perhaps opening the door for him to want to see more of Tyson Bajan <laughs> as we get further along in the season. I, I, I think Whoa, okay. Whoa. Hold on, guys. Whoa. I don't want, like, no, we're not going to have that out there. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. But no, that's no, 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 no. That was no, what no. I had up my sleeve. That's what I had up my sleeve. No, I like that. I like that. Hey, yeah, he did. He did play better than Bryce Young. That's 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 a fact. I think. Did, but, did he? I mean, I think. I think he did. They're, yes. They're they're pretty equal. Uh, Bryce Young. I think because it's all about expectations, right? Because. And I sound like Flucci though, right? Uh, right? Uh, right? Right? He let a touchdown uh, drive. He, he was at the wheel of a touchdown drive. That's true. More than Bryce Young did, right? And it was like, the only touchdown drive. And it was a, by the way, it was a 38-yard touchdown drive, just just for full context on what that game was last night. I thought they were pretty even, actually. I mean, they both had um, different agendas. You know, Bryce Young's was to win the game, beat the Bears. He didn't. Tyson Bajant was to don't lose to the Panthers. And I think when you are a backup quarterback and you are, again, this is what we, we always have this arguing, this shouting match in Chicago about pedigrees and what they mean and what they don't mean. When you're a backup quarterback from division two Shepherd university, and you're filling in for the starter, 
your job description is easy. Don't blow it. Don't lose. When you are the number one overall draft pick for a team that isn't tanking because it doesn't matter, matter what they do, your job description is to win the game, be the difference, try to do something to make a play. Bryce Young didn't make a play, didn't win the game. Tyson Bajan didn't get the Bears beaten. You're right. Bajan wins, but they had much different agendas going into that game. Well, I'll also say this, like my 45-second Tyson Bajan recap of Thursday night is that I thought he actually played better in New Orleans than he did in that win last night. Now, the difference, obviously, is the turnovers, and that changes the end result. But I thought in New Orleans, he was more fearless. He was more aggressive. He was uh, kind of, you know, dictating the tempo uh, and the rhythm for the offense for a while. There was It was just stagnant for much of the night for the Bears offense. On Thursday, I'll also say this, talking to Jalen Johnson at his locker Thursday, I asked him kind of what what the Bears were doing to make Bryce Young uncomfortable. And Tyreek Stevenson from one stall over quickly interjected and said, he ain't been comfortable all year. And that was a, a notable observation from a fellow rookie and saying like they knew they could go into that game and make life difficult for Bryce Young. And they did it by disguising coverages, by by throwing some things at the rookie that he hadn't seen yet, by, you know, trying to make him think, trying to make him hold on to the football and then hoping that the coverage on the back end was solid and that the pass rush would get home. And 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 ultimately it produced a winning effort where the defense allowed six points. Um and and, and so uh you know credit to the Bears defense for 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 mastering that part of the chess match. Now, obviously, I think you and I would both agree it would have been nice for Jack Sanborn to catch an interception, for Tariq uh, Stevenson to catch an interception. At some point, you just want one of these takeaways that give you a little bit more evidence of like, okay, this is true momentum and this isn't just outlasting a a, a terrible opponent. So I think that's a good way to put it. I I wonder, uh, let's get into Bajan for a moment here because the quarterback situation, we get a lot of conversation. I I think that this is it for Tyson Bajan. He talked in terms of being you know, the guy that's ready to step aside. Justin Fields is coming back to be the starter whenever the Bears resume practice on Monday. Two and two as a starter for Tyson Bajan. There were a couple of plays. Uh, there weren't many, but there were a couple of plays, I think, that on Thursday night, you know, I thought were were interesting to, to look at. First of all, third 19, I think it was, in the first half. It was the first one, that the play that elicited the Boo Birds and started getting the booing. And, you know, we were talking in the press box and boy, I was like, boy, it's third and 19. <laughs> what, what play do you have dialed up? And he handed off. And, I, and part of me was like, oh, my gosh, this is ridiculous. The NFL, third and 19. And then you were like, were like, well, what did you want him to do? It's Tyson Bajan. You're buried in your own territory. Of course, they're going to do that. It's the Panthers. You don't want to make a mistake at that point in the game. And that's exactly fit in the game plan. I thought that was a very telling sequence because – you know, he didn't throw a pass or have a completion more than 16 yards. He didn't turn the ball over, didn't take a sack. His job was to get out unscathed, and that play depicted that as well as anyone. Well, and why I bring up the, the comparison between the Saints game and the Panthers game is because you hope that this isn't a regression in terms of his fearlessness because one of, I think that's one of, one of Tyson Bajan's superpowers is his ability to have that fearless mentality and that aggressive, I'm going to go for it 
uh, you know, mindset. And, and if you mute that a little bit, now all of a sudden you've taken away one of the guy's strengths. Now taking care of the football in this league is, is paramount. And that was obviously a lesson that, that was driven home in emphatic terms after, after the four turnover performance in new Orleans. Um, we'll see where it goes. Now Tyson Bajan had to win the game at the end by getting the last first down and they let him, they let him go there. They, they called a passing play in an obvious run situation. And he, and he hits an eight yarder to Darnell Mooney on third and seven that allows the bears to run out the clock. And I thought it was cool to hear Tyson explain that after the game, just in terms of the communication over the headset with Luke Getze, who, who made it very clear to him, like, look, like this play was open earlier in the game and we hit it. It was negated by a very questionable penalty. And we can get to that in a minute, um, but it's going to be there. And if it's not there, don't be hesitant to take a sack. The clock That's, needs to run here, yeah. and we need to, to to make sure that we have the ball at the end of this play. And so that was cool to hear that communication and then to see that execution. That was the other play I was going to mention because it's third and seven. You have about a minute and a half left. I don't know if it was an obvious running play. I, I don't think that it, it – I mean, if, if you're talking about because it's obvious because of the way the clock – was structured. The Panthers weren't exactly doing a nice job of managing the clock. No. So I, I don't know if they would have been able to handle that either. But I liked the confidence that was being shown there in in Beijing because that was, you know, and it, the game was on the line. Earlier in the game, third and 19, they were planning for the long haul. They were like, that was, you're, you're taking a conservative approach. I don't mind the third and seven pass play because it's the NFL. You got to be able to make a play in the passing game at some point and Mooney made a nice catch and, and, and Bajit made the right throw. I would probably, it's kind of a moot point now, but I, I think that Bajit has to learn. I don't like, I don't necessarily agree with you that, that he needs to let her rip because I think he doesn't really know what that means yet. And I'm not sure that he's experienced or savvy enough to take advantage of, of that instinct. He still has, a skill set that has a ways to go, his arm strength, people will cringe, but it isn't quite as good as it should be yet. So I think the Saints game kind of told him he needs to he needs to rein it in a little bit. Whereas last night it was probably an overcorrection. Somewhere in the middle is where he'll find the, the best spot to be. Yeah, that's entirely fair, uh from my perspective. And then you mentioned, right? Like, look like we naturally have to pivot this conversation into to to when the actual QB one is going to play again. Now I'm at Hallis Hall here on Friday afternoon, and we didn't get clear cut answers from Matty Berflus on whether that will be in week 11 against the Detroit lions. I think the expectation is yes, of course, with this, you know, longer time to uh, have this bridge between this Panthers game and this lions game, Justin should be able to get back on the field, continue practicing and have him himself ready to go at Ford field. But I asked on Wednesday multiple times for some clarity on what the team medical staff has told Matty Berflus about why, Justin Fields hasn't been cleared and I didn't get any clarity. And so we followed up today to ask Matt, you know, has Justin, pardon the pun, given you his thumbs up to uh, indicate that he's ready to play regardless of what doctors say? Like if it was only up to Justin, has he given the green light for him to go back on the field. And Matt wouldn't even meet us halfway on that and didn't answer that question and said, uh, you know, all the guys with injuries feel okay and we'll see where it goes, you know? And so I, I, you know, you can, chime in on this. I'm just curious whether this is significant because if Justin has, has offered his personal approval of being ready to play, then I think that there is a, um, 
understandable push to get more answers on why they haven't let him play yet, particularly if it persists into next week. Now, look, if he's back on the field Wednesday and it's clear cut that he's going to start against the Lions, good. But if not, then I think we're suddenly into some weird territory where we're, we, we have to ask, what the heck's going on here? I can remember the first year I came uh, to cover the Bears. This is 20 years ago. And I'm only using that as a point of reference because it's, I, I think this is this is something that has been uh, an issue in every NFL season going back to where there have been team doctors and coaches and players and, and very seldom do all three agree on the right prognosis and timetable and diagnosis. You know, I can remember uh, we were going to launch this, this whole project into um, team doctors and the, the inherent conflict between players and doctors and coaches and executives and who has what to gain by putting a player back onto the field or the court or the diamond or whatever you know, if if Justin Fields does not return Wednesday to a full participant at practice and is on track to start against the Lions, there's something going on. I would agree with that. I think history just says that not everyone is going to be on the same page in these things, and the the rate of return is going to be defined differently based on people who have different stakes, the, the doctors with liability, the coaches and executives, maybe with job security, the player with his own um, more career mortality, or maybe his what he wants to prove to come back. Maybe he's wanting to rush it back, and they're not wanting him to because of whatever reason. That's a great point, Dan. I, I think that if your antenna is up, I think you want to keep it up. If you're accepting the fact that, we're, you know, let's wait and see until next week, which I think is probably the way to go, then let's wait and see till next week. I'd be surprised, based on the way that, players were talking about Bajan's tenure being over <laughs> and there almost being an expectation that, okay, good job, kid. Now it's time to step aside. <laughs> Just reading some of those comments and, and the, the tone, it seems like the bears are ready. The bears are prepared for Justin Fields to return. Yeah. And I mean, it, look, all signs point in that direction. And like I say, we, you know, we'll, we'll get into it in week 11 and have a better uh, understanding of where things are headed. Now, obviously, Justin would be headed back to Ford Field, which was the site of his last uh, game of 2022, uh, first day of 2023 on New Year's Day. And it was a disaster, you know, a division game that the Bears got their teeth kicked in. And, and if you want to know how bad that was, go find our podcast from after that game, because I remember blowing a gasket up there in the Ford Field press box after after watching that one. Um, so it's not an easy return. You know, the de degree of difficulty will not be, oh, you know, nice, easy uh, wade into the water thing. This is a Lions team that's playing really well, a Lions defense that has uh, found some answers for how to contain Justin Fields, and it'll be uh, really interesting to see how that goes. I don't think that should factor in, even though it's, it's an obvious thing to to mention because the Lions are having a pretty good season. They're, they've broken through one of the best teams in the NFC. If he's ready, he's ready. You know, whether it's the Lions or, you know, the Falcons or whoever, the the Cardinals, if he's ready, he's ready. He's got to play. He's got seven games left now. Each week is an opportunity wasted if he's not playing to change the narrative um, on his on his season. And, and I just don't know that um, – I don't know if they can wait if he's ready to go. I think we all grant that, but that will be next week's storyline. Okay, back to the game itself. Um, I, I feel like uh, – there was, you mentioned a phantom call. Were you going to refer to the DJ Moore? Yeah. Well, so, yeah, you know, that was, I think it was a third down conversion to Trent Taylor, a really nice uh, see it, rip it throw from 
uh, Tyson Bajan, and that it looks like a, a good chunk play there. And all of a sudden, we see yellow handkerchiefs on the field, and we were, were looking for the replays, trying to figure out what went wrong here. And it was the second time of the the game where DJ Moore was called for offensive pass interference. You watch the replays of that play. I have no idea what they saw in that particular s- sequence at all. And DJ was pretty vocal after the game. I'm not sure if you got uh, to talk to him yet on 670 the score post game, but in, in in the locker room after the game, he said something as blunt as, "I think we might need to get some new refs." <laughs> which uh, DJ may be getting a letter from from the league for those comments, but I uh, agree with him. Matt Eberflus agreed with him and said that those plays would be submitted to the league and that the Bears did not see any wrongdoing uh, in those sequences, particularly the one to Trent Taylor, which was just an egregious call uh, at a a critical moment in a close game. By 8 a.m. when we interviewed him on the Mullen Haw show, he had settled down somewhat. (laughs) He did not say they needed new refs, but he did think that the call was – both calls were bad calls, and he was not shy about expressing that frustration and not wondering, not knowing exactly what he did. He described the one where he tripped, where the guy tripped, the fact that, you know, basically was just they got their feet tangled and it wasn't a penalty and he wasn't trying to do anything to gain an advantage. So he was very vocal. By the way, he's always on time. I have to say, DG Moore, uh, if he says he didn't commit a penalty, this isn't some wide receiver diva. Uh, is making claim. This is this is a consummate pro. He's calling at eight o'clock. He's calling at eight o'clock, and he's also he may not be the most effusive, charismatic. Well, he has charisma, but he does He's not going to be a a guy with a lot of flamboyance, uh, should I say? But he also is just very solid. And if he says he didn't commit the penalties, I'll take his word for it. Punctuality means something, doesn't it, David? The, late, does. great, the yeah. late great Skip Prosser, uh, former basketball coach at Wake Forest University, would always tell his players immediately upon their arrival to campus, if you can't be on time, be early. <laughs> exactly. And so DJ Moore is outstanding. We love him for that. So that was a pretty bad call. I, I think that um, the, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was something, and there's plenty of other stuff to get to. We'll get to our game balls in a moment. Yeah, that's important because there's, there, there's a, a multi-pronged approach to game balls today. I wanted to ask you – I can't wait. I wanted to ask you about Cody Whitehair. So he had the penalty on the field goal. He had to move it back five yards, and that took points off the board potentially. And that was a bad penalty by a veteran player. And he did – you saw it. You saw the replay. I asked Olin Krutz on Friday morning that – once Nate Davis inevitably returns, and we don't know, he could be back then. I, I'm not quite sure what you think, but he's not in any window, so he could come back any time, correct? Correct, yeah. When Nate Davis comes back, what do you do on an offensive line where the right side seems to be very much intact and a good chemistry, and they found something there with Tevin Jenkins and Darnell Wright? And Olin Cruz thought that maybe maybe Cody Whitehair would be the odd man out. And I thought that was an interesting observation from somebody who is an expert on offensive line. Yeah, and tapped in pretty well. I, I th- That doesn't startle me at all because I think we know um, – you know, kind of the investment that they made in Nate Davis and what they hope he can be. And they got to get a, a longer look at that. Now, look, like on Wednesday of this week, Courtney Cronin tried to get a uh, status update on Nate Davis, trying to figure out if he's closer to uh, getting himself back in, in position to even practice a little bit. And the only update we got from Matt Eberflus is that Nate is in good spirits. Well, uh, good spirits don't help block 300 pound opposing linemen. And so you need to know if his, if his foot is uh, his ankle is, is sturdy enough to, to stand on and then run on and then block on and then, and then play a full football game on. Um, so I'm not sure how close Nate Davis is. 
Uh, when that time comes, I think you're right in saying that that has to be a longer discussion here at House Hall so as not to disrupt uh, a very positive bit of chemistry that has occurred on the right side of that line. Uh, and you don't want to mess with that if you don't have to. And so then they're going to have to kind of kind of play that, uh, that, that puzzle uh, out. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's give away some game balls. Let's bring in Adam Sadzinski because the Bears don't win many games. They've only have three this year. So let's give out some game balls when they do. All right, studs, we'll start with you. Who gets your game ball? All right. So I'm going to go with, I had to think about this one a little bit. I, it, I figured it had to be somewhere on the defense and Dan, I think I know where you're, where you're going with yours, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to yours. So I, I'm going to go with Kyler Gordon, the, the nickel corner. He was awesome yesterday. If, if he wasn't the best player on the field yesterday, he was, he was in the, in the, top three or four best players on the field eight eight tackles total seven solo had a pass defense he was all over the place and you're starting to see why you know for those of us who weren't actually in camp all you guys Dan were saying that he was maybe the best defender for the Bears at all of camp uh during the summer so you're starting to see a little bit of that so he was awesome yesterday and so he gets my game ball I thought that that six-yard tackle for loss on Miles Sanders uh, early in that game is one of those tone-setting plays. You know, it just lets the other team know that you're there. Uh, and Kyler Gordon has been letting opponents know he's been there since he's come back off IR. It's a good choice. How about you, Dan? You know, I'm actually going to go and, and uh, walk it over to the special teams corner of the locker room and give it to Cairo Santos because I, th- I just think oh, that he, he has been – him. He, it's just – I mean, he's steady. And in a game like last night's, you need that steadiness. And it, 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 I love talking to him about his process. 
you know, and just the way that he he steadies himself and to to kind of you know play the wind and and feel like you're you're going to get something and then get something that you don't expect and then adjust on a longer kick that you absolutely need and it looked like the Bears didn't take the lead in that game until the second half. So all three of those Cairo Santos first half field goals were huge and just keeping them uh, in striking distance and and so uh, that guy's steadiness has been has been meaningful and it certainly uh, it was certainly meaningful last night. Nah, that's a good one. Okay, I, I am going to go with Deontay Foreman. I, I, like I think it. 21 carries, 80 yards, scored the only touchdown offensively uh, in the game. And, and and I think that, you know, we talk about DJ Moore, and he downplayed uh, to us on Friday morning and also after the game Thursday night, I know, about playing his former team and special feelings. I think Deontay Foreman was the opposite. I don't think there was any doubt about it that he felt some extra incentive playing against Carolina Panthers, the team that cut him loose last year. And he played with that kind of purpose. And, you know, you look at it, he was, we went into the game and for the previous, since he kind of took over, I think he's among the top four or six rushers in the NFL per game in terms of average yards per game. 21 carries last night, 80 yards, but that's not the only thing. At one point in time, it was like, where's Deontay Foreman? Oh, he's in the injury tent. Oh, yeah. he's still in the injury tent. He's in there oh, for a while. Here, here he comes back from the injury tent, running over people again. So as the Bears sort of become this real old school, traditional smash mouth football team in their identity, it, 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 it's something. Deontay Foreman kind of epitomizes that as much as anything. So I think he's the guy that stands out. Maybe you didn't notice this, but Deontay Foreman actually changed his shoes midway through the game because of, of the way he twisted his ankle. He felt like he needed a, a pair of cleats that had better support. So that was part of uh, his adjustment process was getting some new shoes, which is an interesting footnote out of the game. I'll also tell you this. I had lunch on Thursday afternoon before the game with Joe Person of the Athletic who covers the Panthers. And he asked me point blank. He said, what do you think of Deontay? I said, I, I, I kind of like the dude. And he said, yeah, we loved him here. Like he's just a, a dude who goes about his business the right way all the time. And it's been very consistent here in Chicago with the, a guy who waited for his opportunity, seized his opportunity and is, and is willing to take it, it for as long as it lasts. Who knows what happens when Khalil Herbert's back on the 53 man roster. But I think Deontay Foreman has, has given this team a lot of what they need. And it's a, what we talked about earlier, just that model professionalism to, to keep your head down and keep working. And he, it's a second year in a row. We've kind of followed the same script kind of written off, uh, underutilized, inactive, and then an injury happens. He becomes the main guy. Now, looking over the final seven games, he's a big part of how the Bears are going to try to establish their identity, establish the running game, and maybe, you know, we haven't really seen a lot of him with Justin Fields. Yeah. They really haven't played a lot together, have they? If so I wonder how that's going to go in terms of the more – the more comfortable Foreman feels in this offense with his with the Bears, and now Fields comes back, that could be a pretty good combination. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to watch. Now, I did promise that this was going to be a, a two-pronged game ball presentation here. Well, Studs has got uh, some audio ready for us because the head coach of the Chicago Bears, Matty Rafflews, gave the game ball to two dozen players. Uh, he gave it to the entire defense in a post-game locker room speech that has to be heard to be believed. Go back to the game now. The game. Hey, great passion. Right? Great fight. Right? That's what we always do. But what we did was what? We did what it takes to win. We did what it takes to win. Right? We took care of the ball. Right? Almost got a takeaway at the end there. We ran the ball well. Right? They had 43 yards rushing, I believe. Okay? All right? And a great finish. Right? We finished it out the right way. All right? So, excellent job by everybody. 
All right, and I'm actually going to give the game ball to the damn entire defense. Hey, great performance, fellas. All you guys all did a great job. Enjoyed the weekend, right? Okay. Appreciate your teammates, right? Hey, what we're gonna do, guys? We're gonna keep pulling together until nothing can separate us. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Sure. We're gonna keep pulling together until nothing can separate us. I put that in front of you on uh, a couple of days ago. That's real. Yep. That's sure. real. All right. Wow. It's as real as it gets, David. It's so real that I got a text from uh, a friend and loyal listener to the Take the North podcast that asked, was that entire video AI generated? <laughs> See, it it kind of felt like it, didn't it? It felt like, hey, chat, GBT, make me a, a post-game locker room video. The, <laughs> the best comment that I heard was I think someone said it to, to Dan Bernstein on Twitter. It's like, what's the opposite of run through a wall? Like that's that's how you feel. It's like, is there an opposite of I want to run through a wall for this guy? Like it's just, oh, it was just I, interesting. I know. Let's see where I it know. goes. Yeah, I know. It's it's like so easy to to mock and and to make fun of. I always when I was covering college football a lot back even when I was in South Bend, I used to have this sort of rule of thumb. I would never hold anybody that responsible or accountable. For what they said, remember colleges used to have these pep rallies on Friday night. Notre Dame oh, yeah. used to have these big pep rallies on Friday night, and everybody would jam into the uh, Joyce Center at the time, and they would get behind a microphone and Lou Holtz and Bob Davey and all the coaches and players and the guests, and they would say things that, like, if you really, really focused on what they said and how they said them, it's just totally easy <laughs> to mock and to not. You know, nobody should be held accountable for no. what they say at a pep rally. And just with having coaches, a little fun. With coaches, I mean, after a game, I, I know it's flucy and it's an easy target. I feel a little uncomfortable making fun of him, even though I understand why everybody, after hearing that, would want to. I understand where you're coming from, right? And I think we've done a pretty good job on this podcast, right, of, uh, of putting together uh, things that, that make sense for our audience, right? And so what we're going to do on this podcast is continue to give you analysis, right? And with that analysis, I talked to you guys about this last week. Our analysis was going to be grounded. It was going to be fair, right? We talked about fair, grounded analysis. And we've done that here in this episode, right? And so now the only thing that can pull us apart is Stud's unadulterated love for Tyson Bajan and how much more he wants to see him play, right? And so if we can get through that, if we can get through that and get back on track with Justin as a starter, right? Away we go. And there's nothing stopping us on the Take North podcast, right? All right. Enjoy your weekend. That was great. Did we see what was up your sleeve. Did you use it? Or I don't know. What's up yours? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> You got me. That was classic. That's, I'm I'm fired up now. I'm yeah, ready, see, I'm ready, I'm ready to run through. Maybe, maybe, maybe once a week, I need to come on the pod and give a little pep talk. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, I I know. I I think that these guys have to start remembering. Not even remember. Do they forget they're on camera? They they must, right? I think right. sometimes that they, they, right. they, 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 they're too conscious that they're on camera and they're trying to be too performative at times. I don't know. I don't know what, what, what case this one falls into, but uh, interesting world we live in these days where everything is pretty much uh, documented. Could you see Matt Eberflus as a linebacker? He was a good linebacker at Toledo in college. Can you see him in that moment, like getting the lather up and being motivated <laughs> and talking himself in? He had to be like this overachieving I mean, I, I knew a hundred guys like Matt Eberflus. I knew I would teammates like Matt Eberflus. He probably wasn't 
had the size or the the attribute. He was just like one of these guys that talked himself into being the toughest guy in the field. He was a good linebacker. I think you part of it involved what we just saw him trying to do is like he talking himself into things. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. And he's got a long weekend now to enjoy this win. I do think it look like the Bears have a chance now, once again, to win consecutive games for the first time in the Maddie Brifluz era. It comes in Detroit in week 11. Long week for them to prepare for that game. They'll get a chance on Sunday to watch the Lions play. Uh, Lions do, or are the Lions, the Lions aren't on by this week, are they? I don't, uh, let's see, who do the Lions play on Sunday? Because that would be worth watching. That's a very talented team. And I'm going to spend the Chargers. The Chargers are coming back off by and they're going to L.A. Okay, that's a good spot to measure because the Bears just having been there. That'd be a good opportunity. Uh, I said at the beginning of the season, I was sick of the Lions. Uh, I I stand by that. I mean, can still be sick of the Lions. (laughs) I think I underestimated them in terms of how good they might be. They've got a ton of speed and talent and skill, and they have a heck of a defensive end in, in Hutchinson. And they've got a heck of a right tackle in Sewell. And I think you get you look at the the other ways that Jared Goff has changed his team. They're dangerous. They're dangerous. And Dan Campbell has pushed all the right buttons. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun week of preparation and a good measuring stick for the Bears who need to beat a division opponent, who need to win two games in a row, who need those two things are, are some, uh, something that Matt Eberflus never has done as a head coach of the Bears. So that will be next week's storyline. Yeah, it'll be interesting because we're down to seven games left and there's a bye week still mixed in. And uh, you and I can kind of reset some target goals uh, early next week for where we want this Bears team to go and what they need to show to uh, to indicate meaningful direction. All right. Anything else we have to uh, cover, address? Any any other uh, coaches that we sound, found on, on a hot mic? Anything no, I mean, there'll probably be a lot more this weekend. We'll, we'll, we'll have access to all of those, and we can blend them together and and come up with the uh, best of uh, of clip. And I'm always happy to, to perform for you guys, so whenever you need something. I love that. That was a really <laughs> good impromptu take the north little pep talk. And now I'm inspired, but I think we're all out of time. Uh, all right, so we'll be back here. Uh, you can get this on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You can watch us on 670 Sports YouTube page. We'll be back next week at the same type of uh, podcast schedule, Tuesday morning and Friday morning. And then the Bears get ready to go to Detroit to play the Detroit Lions at Ford Field on uh, the following Sunday. So for Adam Sadzinski and Dan Weeder, I'm David Hoff. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast. Great talk. See you out there.